that was a beautiful display of that. So welcome to Vision Ministries. We are just excited to have you with us here today. And uh, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, uh, you can follow right along. Uh, there is an application called Uversion. Uh, and so if you have a smartphone, you can go ahead and you can follow right along with us today. We, have, we do have virtual sermon notes, so I'll show you how to do this here. So uh, download Uversion off of your uh, app or, or, or the Play Store. And then what you do is you go into, there's a little spot here. It's got like a little drop-down men, menu. Go ahead and click on that. And then there's a, there's a little, it looks like a little signal that you, that you, if you had a map, it says events. Click on events. And then if you go into the, the little magnifying glass, type in Vision Ministries Toledo. We'll be the one on the very top. It's Vision Ministries Toledo to live. Click on that. Boom. Right there. You'll see, you'll see the banner pop up, the risen banner. And you can follow right along. You can add your own notes. And so we have that available for you today. So you can go ahead and you can utilize that. Um, that'll be, that'll be cool. Then you can save that. All right, let's pray and let's ask God to speak through his word today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have in your name. Father, that you're so good. You're so awesome. And Lord, we just thank you that father, that you're wanting to speak to us father through your word. And God, we just ask right now in Jesus name for you to have your way in each and every one of our lives. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Friends, we want to say thank you for joining with us today here on Easter Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate Jesus being raised from the dead. And it's the one uh, distinguishment that separates Jesus from every other person in history. The one act uh, that is evidence to uphold every claim and teaching that Jesus has done. The, this one miracle separates Christianity from every other belief system in the world. So say this one word with me. Evidence. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about evidence. So, so you know, when you think of, of evidence, here's, some, here's a few different things. First off, what would cause fleeing disciples at Jesus' arrest to eventually come to a place where they would lay down their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Evidence. What would cause... Paul, who was at once killing Christians and chasing them down, persecuting them, become converted to Christianity and then also write most of the New Testament and then eventually lay his life down for the gospel? Evidence. What would cause a man like C.S. Lewis, who is the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia, through an apologetical argument with Oxford colleague and friend J.R.R. Tolkien, many of you guys know him, he was the writer of the Lord of the Rings, caused him to convert to Christianity, and he was once an atheist? Evidence. What would cause the lawyer, Josh McDowell, who set out to disclaim and discredit the Bible and Jesus, but his own false precepts, uh, precepts were outweighed by evidence? And so, friends, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about evidence. Evidence is a powerful thing in a court of law. It is the only thing to prove or disprove whether we're innocent or guilty. Have you ever made a claim in your life for someone to say to you, well, then go ahead and prove it? Have you ever made a claim in your life for somebody to say, well, then show me? What are they asking for? Proof or evidence? Evidence is defined as 
the available body of facts or information uh, indicating whether a belief proposition is true or valid. So in other words, other words would be proof, confirmation, or verification. So basically what we're saying is show me proof. If somebody says to you, hey, I can do this, that, and the other, and you're like, yeah, right, what are you going to say? Prove it. Well, guess what? We have proof and evidence that Jesus actually did raise from the, from the dead. So say this with me. Say 5E. Okay, some of you guys were probably talking to your neighbor or you were on Facebook. So here, let's try this one more time. Say this with me. Say 5E. Okay, what that means is we're going to have five evidences that Jesus rose from the dead. Five evidences. Okay? Number one, if you're following along, it'll be up on the screens. It'll also be on your smartphone or tablet if you're following along. Number one, the first evidence is the empty tomb. Say empty. The empty tomb. Okay, we're going to read Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read verse 1 through 15. We're going to read the account here found in Matthew, and so it'll be up on the screens. You can follow right along. Verse 1 says this in Matthew. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothes was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. It's pretty powerful. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said it would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. Or excuse me, see where his body was lying. Now go quickly and tell his disciples he he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The woman quickly ran from the tomb They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met with them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, don't be afraid, go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they uh, will see me there. As the women went on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. So not only did Jesus' disciples see this, but also the guards that were, uh, that were su- supposed to guard Jesus' tomb because they already knew that Jesus claimed he was going to raise from the dead. So they actually put soldiers in front of the tomb to make sure that nobody would go and try to steal his body away. This is where it gets sketchy. Say sketchy. This is where it gets sketchy. Some of the guards went to the city and told the leading priest what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. Say bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe. It's kind of funny. Money will make you uh, say stuff that you really don't mean. And said what they were told to say. The story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Say, empty tomb. Okay, this is the thing, friends. If the enemies of Jesus had taken his body, surely they would have displayed it to prove that he had not had risen. Okay? And on the other side, if the disciples had taken his body, then they would never have sacrificed their lives and possessions for what they knew to be a lie. 
So the tomb was empty because the enemies would have displayed his body and the early disciples never would have laid their lives down for a lie. The empty tomb reveals that Jesus is exactly who he says he is, that he rose from the dead and that he truly is the son of God. I don't know about you, but friends, I, I don't, I would never give my life for a lie. For example, if you were given the death penalty and had evidence to prove your innocence, would you just go ahead and receive the death penalty? Absolutely not. You would use the evidence to prove your innocence. In as much the same manner, if the disciples had stolen Jesus' body and they were put on trial as unto death, wouldn't they reveal, well, we hid it over here, yet none did that because Jesus truly rose from the grave. Each and every apostle, ex excluding John, who they tried to kill but they couldn't, gave their lives for the testimony of Jesus. But this is the thing, before the trial and crucifixion, well, you guys might just think that these guys were about it. Look at your neighbor say, about it. Do you, does anybody here, have you ever heard of the term road dog? Have you ever heard that term before? Like, this is the person that's with you that you will go through anything with. Like, they're at your side, they got your back, okay? Jesus handpicked the 12 disciples, so you would almost think he wrote, you know, he had these people that went with him for three years, that they were his road dogs, but yet something funny happens here in Mark chapter 14, verse 43 through 52. If you got your Bible, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. It's going to be up on the soldiers. Say road dogs. All right. Let's look here. Mark chapter 14. Okay, Jesus is in the garden of, of Gethsemane. He knows that his hour is coming. Let's pick up here in verse 43. Immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, say hater. <laughs> arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and teachers of religious law and the elders, and the traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and he gave him a kiss. See, this is the scripture where it says, uh, that an enemy multiplies kisses, but wounds from a friend can be trusted. A close friend might tell you something that might hurt your feelings, but it's for your own good. But, but the enemy is the one that's going to kiss you on the cheek and, talk and, and, and look all good. Gave him a kiss on the cheek. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave slashing off his ear. Who was that? Just say it out loud. That was Peter. He's the ear slasher. <laughs> Peter was about it for a minute. He was about it for a minute. Jesus asked them, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you've come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why, are, why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. But these things are happening to fulfill what, scripture say, uh, what scriptures say about me. And then the disciples deserted him and ran away. Say ran away. Okay, now here, this is where it gets real. If you ever think the Bible is boring, this is where, this is, this, this is where it gets real. <laughs> One young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. <laughs> what? I'm telling you, the scripture, 
You read stuff like that, you're like, are you serious? This guy ran away, ran away naked. So, so you have the disciples that are following Jesus for three years, and before he is crucified, and before he's, he's uh, put in the tomb, what happened to all the disciples? They ran. They deserted him. They left, and one left naked. So you have all the disciples that leave and flee Jesus in Mark chapter 14. Then in Acts chapter 2, we have this powerful display where the apostles are out preaching boldly. 3,000 get saved and, and, and commit their lives to Christ. What was the change? What would ha- how, could, how could the 12 disciples who are fleeing from him when he's being arrested and when he's being crucified are now out boldly preaching? I'll tell you what happened. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 is what happened. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Verse 3 says, during the 40 days after he had suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time to prove to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Friends, that's why they would give their lives for the gospel, because they had evidence that Jesus was, that the tomb was empty and Jesus was no longer there. That's the only thing that would call a bunch of people that were fearful to now become fearless, is evidence. Say evidence. Number two, not only the evidence of the, of the empty tomb, but we have the existence of the early church. Existence of the early church. The existence, the power, joy, and devotion of early believers. When you read about this, the church now is trying to get to that place still. We look at the book of Acts, and we look at that as a model, as how devoted the followers of Christ were in the early church. And it's a model for us to follow. Many are, you know, we say we need to go back to the book of Acts and all that stuff. But no, what we need to do is we need to live consistently the way the Lord has called us to live. But the early church is also another evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, Jesus had not only appeared to just the 12, but we find in Scripture that he does, he appears to many more. And had not Jesus rose from the dead, then the early disciples would have went ahead and, and, and they would have just kind of disappeared among the crowds. But here, let's read this because there's something that goes on here in the early church that, that kind of gets my attention. And it starts off actually before the book of Acts. It's found in the book of Luke chapter 24. We're going to read three verses, verse 50 through 53. Okay, this is after Jesus rose from the grave, and this is what he says. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, Bethany, lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven, so they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. What? Filled with great joy, and they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. What would cause people that were just fleeing for their lives to now be filled with joy? Evidence. Okay, they weren't tripping on acid or smoking weed or doing drugs. No, friends, these people actually saw Jesus and had conversations with him. And in this particular part of Scripture, they saw, they saw him ascend to heaven. This can also be followed in Acts chapter 2. Here we're going to read another, uh, a few verses here. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It says this, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Say amen. Another translation says they devoted themselves to to the breaking of bread. Basically, what were they doing? Every day, they were learning the scriptures together, or or they were were, uh, studying the apostles' teaching together. They were praying together, and they were eating together. That sounds great, doesn't it? Man, that sounds like church nowadays. 
Sounds good to me. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Say everything. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time sharing, you know, something that's in the fridge with one of my kids. But yet these, these followers of Christ had something where they were filled with, with such, it says, awe, joy. Something filled them where they shared everything that they had. They sold properties and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Say evidence. Fruit is always evidence of a changed life. When God changes your life, the fruit is what you do. And so God changed the life of these disciples, and their life was forever changed where, where they stopped being selfish, they stopped being greedy, and they started doing what? Something that's powerful that we try to get our four-year-olds to do. It's called what? Share. <laughs> Got any mothers in here? Mm-hmm. They shared. This devotion and sacrificial lifestyle proves the people were changed and that Jesus rose from the grave. Again, no one is going to devote themselves to a lie knowing that it is false. Okay, now there are a lot of people that devote themselves to a lie, but they believe that it's the truth. No one is going to devote themselves to a lie if they know that there's truth out there. Number three. Say, say third evidence. The third evidence is the extended writing of the New Testament. The New Testament was given by men, or was written by men who gave their lives for truth and righteousness. They wrote what Jesus taught them. These men would have never have taken the time or the trouble to write about a Messiah that was really still dead. Are you getting this? Men like Paul who would write the majority of the New Testament. Okay, something happened to individuals like this where at one time he believed that it was called the way was, was false and that all these people were deceiving people. And I don't know if you've ever read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, something happens miraculously to Paul to change his, uh, change his view and his perspective on Jesus. And that was he had an encounter with Jesus. And he actually talks a little bit about his encounter here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read a few verses, verse 3 through 10 here. 1 Corinthians. Okay, this is Paul. He's writing to the Corinthians. Paul is, is one of the most fruitful apostles in the New Testament. He wrote most of the New Testament. This dude started churches all over the place. This dude was crazy. This is what he says in verse 3. It says, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, and then he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures had said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Why would they have died? Because the, because the early church were being persecuted and killed for believing and for preaching Jesus. Again, who would give their life for a lie? No one. 
Then he was seen by James and later all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, not without results. For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. I told you, this guy, his ministry, I mean, he preached, he started churches. Yet it was not I, but God, who was working through me by his grace. The extent of the New Testament, not only was it written by by these men who gave their lives for this, but friends, the fact of the matter that the New Testament not only was written 2,000 years ago, but the fact that it is still today alive proves that Jesus rose from the from the grave because if he didn't then then it would have passed away a long time ago then the thing about the new testament is the new testament has multiple writers who comprise the new testament and they all have the same message say evidence okay number four the evidence uh that jesus rose from the grave is the evidence of the holy spirit The baptism in the Holy Spirit and the manifested miracles that accompany the body of Christ, then in the Old, in the, in the New Testament, and also now. The, the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and this is an experiential reality that proves that Jesus rose from the dead. And that he is now exalted at the right hand of God. If you got your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses in Acts 1 and then also in Acts 2. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, it says this. It says, once uh, when he was eating with them, he commanded, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 32. 32 and 33 says, this is Peter, he's preaching to the 3,000, he's telling them this. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Say witnesses. Evidence. Okay, that's how many of us, how do we know something is real? We got to see it. We got to touch it. We got to taste it. We got to, you know, there has to be something about us that knows that it's real. So we are all witnesses of this, and he's going on and he's saying this. Now that he is exalted in the place of highest honor in heaven and God at God's right hand and the Father, just as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon all of us just as you have seen and heard today. And friends, this is what Jesus was talking about back in the book of John, chapter 16. He's sitting amongst his disciples before he's being, before he is betrayed and, and crucified. And he's teaching them this. And I can just almost imagine these disciples sitting back thinking, what the heck is he really trying to say? Do we have any men in here that, man, your, your wife says stuff to you and, and sometimes you're just oblivious of what's really being said? You're like, what are you really trying to say? You can go ahead and raise your hands. You're not in trouble. Okay. You do your best to follow instructions, but for the most part, you're probably pretty oblivious, correct? Okay? It's a man thing. Look at your neighbor say, it's a man thing. It's a man thing. Okay? Happened all the way back then, 2,000 years ago. It's, it's happened throughout history. Maybe, it's what, maybe it started happening back when God said, man, it's not good that man should be alone, and then, and then he uh, took his rib uh, and, his, and his, uh, <laughs> his intellect and gave it to woman. I don't know. <laughs> 
I can just see, I can just see the, the, the disciples sitting oblivious to really what Jesus is saying. And you see this in Scripture. Numerous times they're like, uh, can you please tell us what you just taught? Uh, hey, by the way, you know what you said was great, but we don't really understand what you're saying. You see this over and over and over again. And Jesus, you know, he, you, you can see sometimes his, 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 uh, you know, his humanity in, the, in, in that he says, how long must I stay with you? <laughs> so this is, one of those, this is one of those times I just, I just almost imagine that he's teaching them this and they're just like, we don't really know what you're saying. But what he's doing is he's prophesying what's going to happen in Acts 2. In Acts 2. And this is what he says in John chapter, 8, uh, John chapter 16, verse 5 through 8. He says, but now I'm going away to, uh, to the one who sent me. Obviously, he's talking about uh, the Father. And none of you uh, is, uh, excuse me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. I mean, could you just like, could you like, could you imagine sitting there thinking, what are you really trying to say? I don't understand what you're saying. Well, you're a man. Just deal with it. <laughs> it says, if I do not go away, um, or, or sorry, I just skipped a whole line. Uh, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. What's another translation say? I have advocate, helper, counselor, comforter. So we got all of these words that, explain the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's judgment and of the coming and of righteousness and of God's judgment. I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit living inside of you, convicting you of sin is one of the best things you could have. Because it, it's, it's because the Holy Spirit is the one that keeps us no, doing right from wrong. It, I mean, keeps us on that line. It says, it says, wide is, is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road. And isn't it powerful that God loves us? And he says, I must go and I'm going to send one greater than me. Because he's going to abide in you and going to convict you of sin. I don't know about you, but what would life look like if we didn't have, if we didn't have right from wrong inside of us? Chaos. A lot of us would be doing all kinds of stuff. Many of us have done all kinds of stuff because we weren't listening to God early in our life. But can you imagine a world without the Holy Spirit right now? I mean, crazy. Well, that's what it's going to look like later on when Jesus comes back. Okay, but he's, he's prophesying that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and the only way that's going to come is I have to, go, I have to go back to the Father. And how can he go back to the Father unless he rose from the grave? Powerful, powerful. Fifth evidence. Say fifth evidence. Here we go. This is my favorite. The fifth evidence that Jesus rose from the, from the grave, and it's this. It's the experience today. This is the ultimate evidence that Jesus rose from the grave. Friends, millions of people throughout the past 2,000 years, have experienced in their own lives the presence of Jesus and the witness of the Holy Spirit. Today, we are still witnessing God's love and his power and his transformational work of the cross in our lives. Friends, thousands received healing, deliverance, and freedom during the earthly life of Jesus' ministry and in Scripture. But now, friends, millions are giving account to the saving, healing, delivering power of Jesus Christ, and this is no delusion. This is evidence. 
How is it that you would have in a communistic crumbling China alone in that country right now sits 200 million professing Christians through the underground church, underground meaning it's, it's not uh, government sanctioned. Why? Because Jesus really did raise from the grave. Jesus really did raise from the dead. The experience of the early disciples and what they encountered is still happening today all over the world. Jesus is turning hearts and lives around through the testimony of Jesus, and this is evidence that he rose from the grave and that it is risen. And it's not that the and it's not that we don't have doubts, and it's not that we don't have times where where we may question what happened because it happens to the best of us. And we have a small cliff again just reiterating what Jesus did. If you can play that for me, Ben. Let me tell you a story. You may not believe me. I barely believe it myself. But I can't dispute what my soul knows. Peter! John! It's all true. Come see this! Everything he said. The tomb! Every impossible detail. It's empty! It's all true. Loses its footing. You have me confused. I don't know him. And we stumble along our way. I said I don't know him!
may we remember and follow the risen way. Friends, stand to your feet with me, if you will. If you could bow your heads with me. Thank you, God. I thank you that there are so many witnesses in here to the life-changing power of the gospel. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we would have the privilege of celebrating what you've done for us today. Friends, if you find yourself in this place today, You can honestly do a self-evaluation and say, you know what? My life really hasn't measured up to what the Bible asks of a follower of Christ. And you're in this house and you would like to fully surrender and fully yield yourself to him today. This is the day we celebrate him being raised from the dead. Friends, and you're willing to allow the Lord to breathe life into you and to raise you up from death. Perhaps you have committed your life to Christ. Maybe you did it back when you were a child. Maybe, maybe you did it a few years ago. But you found yourself slipping away. Or maybe it's something you've never fully yielded yourself to. Maybe you've been at church over and over, but you never have taken that step of faith saying, God, I want to surrender my life to you. If you're in this place today and you would like to fully surrender your life to Christ, would you slip your hand up? Would you raise your hand in the air? We got hands going up all over the place. Thank you for those hands. Go ahead and raise it up high because... God sees your hand. He sees your hand. He sees that. If you're willing to take a courageous step today, friends, we have some people that would like to join with you and give you a small gift and pray for you today. And so if we can have some of our leaders come forward. And I'm going to ask you to do something bold. And friends, understand this. This isn't done to try to put you on blast. It's not done to, to, to make a spectacle of you. But you know what? Sometimes we have to take a step of faith. And if you're serious, if you raise your hand up and you're serious about a commitment level to Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity to join with somebody that will pray with you. And then again, like I said, we do have a small gift for you. If you're willing to take a step of faith and say, you know what, not only am I brave enough to raise my hand, I'm going to be brave enough to step forward. Would you slip on out of your seat and would you come and would you stand before one of our, 
one of our leaders. We want to pray with you today. We want to pray God's grace and strength to be upon your life. Maybe it's not a new commitment. Maybe it's just you recommitting yourself again. That's great. Maybe it's maybe it's a you just in yourself. You need to just that you need that reassurance. Would you join with some of our leaders today? And for those of us that are in here today that have that assurance and we have that hope and we know that we know, could you do me a favor because this is a body of Christ thing. We're going to pray with some of our with some of our friends up here today. Would you stretch your hands forward in a sign of agreement? Because this is something not only that, that it's a time that people are going to receive, but as, a, as followers of Christ, we're going to say, yes, Lord, be it so in each individual that's made this, this powerful step of faith. And as they're being prayed for, as they're being blessed, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray a blessing over them, and then I'm going to pray a blessing over you as well. Father, we thank you for this opportunity of joining together. God, we thank you for every person that is taking the bold and the powerful step forward to say, Lord, I want all of you in all of my life. Lord, we thank you, and I believe this with all my heart. There are individuals that are still sitting in in their chairs that they felt that inside, but yet they were too afraid because of fear. But God, I thank you for meeting them in their seats as well. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for you doing this in and through this house. Father, we just speak blessing over every person taking this step forward. In Jesus' mighty name. And friends, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray a blessing over you today too. Hopefully the rest of today you'll be able to celebrate what Christ has done for us. This day is a day of celebration and a day of joy. So Father, we thank you. And if you can just go ahead and extend your hands up if you're, if you're in the house today and just receive this. Father, in the name of Jesus, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace. May the Lord turn his face towards you. May the Lord shine much favor upon you. May the Lord extend his hand to be upon you. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we thank you, God, for your blessing, for your favor, for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. Be upon us. Be upon our families. Have your way in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Friends, God bless you. Thank you so very much for joining with us today. If you're a first or a second time guest, please greet Pastor Joy in the back. She has a small gift for you. And we just want to say, friends, thank you for joining us in our Easter resurrection service. It has been a great honor and privilege. Friends, enjoy the rest of your holiday. God bless you.